Amen. Can we clap to God this morning? So good to see you. Go ahead and have a seat. So glad that you are here in our second service this morning. Got a little more room to spread out as we uh, have moved to three services. What a powerful time of worship that we've been able to experience today. We've come together today to worship the Lord. We also come together today and we want to remember and we want to reflect upon what happened 10 years ago. You know, and here's the deal. As I was thinking a lot about this, been praying a lot about this service, praying a lot about, uh, about how we would best honor, um, you know, those who lost their lives on that day, how we'd best honor those who lost family members. You know, one of the things that, that I think is I think it's not enough just to remember. Just to remember, and remembering is important, and that is something we want to do. You find all throughout the Bible, the Word of God says, Jesus tells us to remember because we're so prone to forget things. And we grow complacent. But it's not enough, in my mind, it's not enough just to remember. But, but in my mind, it's what is our response in what we remember? How do I live my life in response to that? How do I, how do I go forward? We don't, we don't typically show videos that long, but this was one that really needed to be shown in its entirety. And whenever I, I'd been praying that God would lead us to something good that would cause us to think and, and uh, reflect and remember and and, and it's one that we really needed to hear and, and, and to think about. It's, it's really hard to believe that it's been 10 years since that event happened. Where did that decade go? I mean, it's hard to believe that this, this occurred then. Time moves by so quickly, it moves by quickly in our lives. And this is one of the points that I really want to just drive home this morning as we look in the Word of God. We've been in this series called uh, Meaningful. We've been in this series in the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to I encourage you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to, to Ecclesiastes, and you can go ahead and turn to chapter 3. And we've been talking about this, this question that, that Solomon has raised. He's the author of this book in Ecclesiastes. When, when life feels empty, how do, I, how do I respond to that? How do I go forward with this? And turn there in, the, in your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to look at that passage of Scripture as well as a few others today. But today, we, we don't only want to just remember what happened ten, 10 years ago to our country, to, to those that were folks that were just like we are, everyday folks who lost their lives. It's so important that we remember, but we want to think about how our lives should be different in response to the reality of how brief and fragile life really is. That's what I've been thinking about as, as I've been watching this. Do you, do you remember when 9-11, when the events of 9-11 occurred, when it happened? I want you just to take a moment just to think back on where you were, what you were doing, to think about that. Some of you probably already have. I distinctly remember this. I remember that my son, Luke, was starting his, I think, second or third day of kindergarten. He was starting school. And I remember when this happened, I could not quit thinking as I, uh, we were all watching the things that were taking place uh, on the television and how it was all right. And I could not quit thinking about how different my son's life was going to be Going forward, those of you who have kids, you were probably thinking the same thing. It's a whole new world now that we're in. A world that, that has gone to a whole new level of, of terror and, and fear in all of this. And I couldn't quit thinking about how different things were going to be for my son who's just starting school. Uh, my wife, Hope, she was pregnant with our daughter, Trinity, at this time. 
She uh, and I, 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 we were talking about, in fact, that day about how this is the world that my daughter was going to be coming into. And I remember feeling those feelings, and I remember there were some feelings of just deep hurt and concern and, and wonder about this. And by the way, I just dropped my son, my, my son Luke, uh, off to uh, his first day of high school um, just a few weeks ago. Where did that decade go? I mean, that's the thing that I, I really want us to think about is how quickly time really moves. One of the, the other things that I so distinctly remember, and you probably remember this too, and it could be maybe that I think about this more because I'm a pastor, but I, I remember and think about how after the events that occurred, how full all of our churches were. You guys remember that? There were not empty seats. There were people that were coming and they were searching for answers and they were, they were searching for comfort and some kind of peace and you know, it's so interesting to me that it typically takes a tragedy like this to cause that kind of response to God and His things. To cause a response to reflect upon us. But, but what is so interesting about human nature, and, and if we're really just honest this morning, is how easily we get lulled back into a, a place of complacency within our lives. And we end up kind of going back and doing some of the same old bad habits that we had or the same patterns that we were, we were living with. We kind of start taking life for granted again. We get back into our routine and we start taking personal relationships for granted. We start taking our relationship with God for granted. We forget to live each day as a gift from God that it really is. Every breath that we, that we take is truly a gift from God. We lose a sense of urgency. I thought it was interesting that this man said when this happened to him and he had his life objective that he had written out, which I thought was amazing, and that he was living by this, how it intensified this for him, how it brought a, a deeper sense of urgency to his life. Well, in the book of Ecclesiastes, what Solomon is doing is he is looking back on his life. We, we said in the first two weeks that this is an account Solomon is giving of, of him looking back on his life, and he's lamenting poor decisions that he has made in his life, pursuits that he has gone after. He's deeply thinking about his life decisions that have led him away from a close relationship with God. And I would even say, because he talks about being alone in some of these chapters, I would even say he feels a great sense of loneliness. He's disconnected from God. He's disconnected from other people, although he's the king and he's surrounded by a great court of people all around him. Now, when you read this book of Ecclesiastes, if you'll recall, it's so important that we understand the context of this book. Because if you don't understand where Solomon is coming from and what has led him to this place of writing what he has written and saying the things that he is, is saying here, it really can be kind of a discouraging book if you don't get what led this man to this place of writing what, what he wrote down. What he's trying to do just reiterating the, the context of this, he's trying to encourage us who are his listeners and his hearers today to live our lives in close relationship with God. To not waste the time that you have on things that are frivolous and things that we think might be important, but to really maximize your time while you're here on this earth. In fact, he says, don't wait till you're old till you do this. He says, we'll discover in the coming weeks, he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. 
live your life in that sense and, and, and love the people who are around you. We'll find that in the coming weeks as well. What Solomon does, he takes us to this lowest place in his life, this pit that he finds himself in because he's been vigorously pursuing all of these things in life, wealth and pleasure and hedonism and worldly success. He tried to find significance through accomplishments and, you know, we've been through them over the last few weeks. We talked about how what he was really chasing after was more. He needed more. It was never enough what he had. He was discontented, never satisfied. He had insatiable appetites that he could never seem to get satisfied. And what he's ultimately saying is all of that left me empty. Here I am after chasing all of this stuff. I've had everything that a man could ever want. And, and it's, it's been apart from God. I've gone to extremes in these certain ways. Everything under the sun apart from God, it, it's, it's, it's without meaning. It's without purpose. This is what he says. So here's where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in chapter 3. We find that he starts talking about time now. And I just thought that it was so interesting that, that this is the chapter that we are in and this is where we're at as we remember uh, what happened 10 years ago. He talks about time. And I won't read all of this chapter to you today. I've encouraged you to go and read it for yourself. But, but he starts talking about, it's a, it's a famous passage. Some of you, maybe you've never even read the book of Ecclesiastes, but you'll recognize some of the things that he says. He talks about how there is a time for everything. You're probably familiar with it. He says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. He uses these great contrasts. He says there's a, there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. There's, there's a time for war and he says there's a time for peace. And uh, some of you are thinking, man, I've, I've heard that before. It's a song that the birds wrote in the 60s, okay? And some of you are thinking, that's where that came from. Well, see, they didn't make it up. They didn't, they didn't make it up. But it's interesting that, um, it's really interesting how many songs from the 60s come out of Ecclesiastes. Really interesting if you ever think about this. So, so he's talking about how there's a time for everything. There's a time for all of these different events. He breaks them into events that occur within our lives. Uh, the one that really stood out for me is how he begins this chapter when he says there's a time for everything. And I, I don't want to be morbid with this, but I want you to catch this today. What he says is there is a time to be born, and you can think of what the contrast is. There is what? There is a time also to die. What is Solomon bringing this up for here? Well, remember where he's at in his life. He's dealing right now in the twilight of his life with his own mortality. He realizes this, that his days are numbered, and he's looking back upon his life. He says there's a time to be born, and there's also a time to die. And if you keep reading in chapter 3, uh, uh, and I won't read it today, but you can look at it for yourself, Solomon starts talking about it's from the dust that we've been created it's from the, the dust that we uh, will return. All we are really is dust in the wind. I mean, that's what it sounds like that he's doing. And, uh, and by the way, they didn't come up with that either, that group Kansas. Um, and, it, and if you just, um, you know, I think as, as I think about the events that occurred for 9-11, one of the things that it caused us to do, and, and even for you this morning, is to really just think about our own mortality caused us to really think about how fragile life really is. And if it didn't, you should think about that. 
I know we don't like to think about this. We think it's more, but we really should think and take into consideration that our days are numbered. And, and I'll have to say that if there's anything good that, that did come out of this terrible thing that happened in our country's history, one of the things that it caused people to do was to reflect upon their life. For many, it probably moved them into action and in doing things that perhaps they had, had been delaying or procrastinating in doing and, and maybe with relationships or whatever. And again, people were, were coming uh, 10 years ago and they were seeking something at that time as our churches were filled. But, it, but what I think of is how on the, the morning of September 11th, What I seem to come back to the most is how every person who lost their life in that terrible tragedy on that day, what I keep coming back to is that was just a normal day. People did not wake up that day and on their way to work and and had in their mindset that this is it for me. Nobody was thinking that way. Nobody thought like this. If you'll go back to the video that we just watched, the wife in the video, uh, Mrs. Scheibner says this. She said something striking. She said, it's, it's interesting that you don't know what's going to happen on September 11th. You don't because you're just living the events of September 10th, right? You're just caught up in the routine of life, she says, and we're not thinking like this. She talked about, if you'll recall, how normal everything felt, how even safe she said that she felt on September 10th. She even said she was having coffee and having a time of prayer with God as her kids were there at the library, and and she was saying how safe she felt thanking God for where they got to live and how surely nothing could, could, could ever happen to them in this area where they were so safe. And for me, when I think about September 11th, what also grips my heart is is whenever you might, if you've been listening to or watching programs as we've been kind of, as as television programs have been kind of gearing us up for this day, commemorative videos or commemorative, you know, uh, television programs, what, what ends up just gripping my heart the most is the sad goodbyes that were left on, um, on voicemails, on recordings, people calling one another on that day, or even when you would see in the images that stick in my mind are those who lost loved ones who are holding pictures of their loved ones that they cannot find. They, they were not able to communicate with them before this terrible event happened. And, and all these images and these, these recordings, what they do for me is they remind me of how fragile my life is. How fragile this life is that we live, and it's not to scare you today. Because if you're in Christ, you don't have anything to fear, right? But, but just as a sobering reminder, it's a reality check for many of us. It causes us to think about what am I really doing with my life? Is it something that is with purpose and with meaning, or am I doing what Solomon did, and I am chasing after stuff that is pointless which is what Solomon says ultimately. You go back to Ecclesiastes, we, we, we need to remember what has gotten him to this place of desperation. All of the pursuits left him empty. You know, and he's looking back and he's saying, don't go my way. That's the point of the book. Don't go my way. I've lived it. Go another way. Go with God. Go with other people. Uh, that's what makes life full is your relationship with God, your relationship with people around you. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. The new, I'm reading from the New Living this morning. Quickly as I go through this, this book here. 
or this chapter, here's what he says in verse 9, okay? He's just talked about how there's a time for everything. And what he says in verse 9, he says, what do people really get for all their hard work? Now, I think it's really interesting that he's reflecting upon his mortality. He's reflecting upon his life. And what is the first thing that he brings up is this all this hard work that I have, I have poured my life into. He says, what do people even really get out of this? It's interesting that he says this because I think this is something for many of us, if we're honest, that it's, it's what we do or our, our employment or, or our job. It's how some of us find our identity. I would say a great deal of us, we find our identity in what we do. And so then whenever that gets messed up, it rocks our world with who we are. It consumes us. It's one of the things that, that honestly we pour all of ourselves into. It can often supersede our relationship with God. It can, we shove God aside. We shove our family aside because we're so driven and and he's not saying don't work so don't quit go quit your job tomorrow um he's saying you got to look at your job and 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 what you do and all of this hard work you got to look at it with proper perspective put it in its right place in fact next week we're going to talk more about that because he talks a lot about this Maybe God would speak to you about that this morning. Maybe there's a priority that's out of line in here, and God's trying to get your attention about this just with this one verse. What do people really get for all this hard work? We go on in verse 10. He says, I've seen the burden God has placed uh, on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. So when things are working together in the right season, um, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. He's planted, this is what God has done. He has planted eternity in the human heart, we know there's something more than this. We know it's in our hearts. God has, has planted this within us. But, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God, God's work from beginning to end. In other words, his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are unfathomable to us. And, and, and looking in the grand scheme of all the events that occurred on this day, we don't understand all this. We can't put it together. We see it in finite eyes, and God is infinite, and he understands it all. He goes on, and, and he says, so I concluded. This is what he's come to a conclusion of. There is nothing better than to be happy. In some translations, that says to be joyful, to be joyful and to enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat, and they should drink, and they should enjoy the fruits of their labor. In other words, Enjoy the days that God has given you. This is what he calls them. What does he say? Read it with me out loud. For these are what? These are gifts from God. He's saying enjoy your life. Enjoy it. Don't waste it. Enjoy life. It's a gift from God. The the, the air that you're breathing today, that you are alive, it is a gift from God. He goes on and says, and I know that whatever God does is final. God's in control, ultimately, Solomon is reflecting. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. We think we can control these kinds of things. But, and then he tells us God's purpose is that people should fear him. Now, when we see this, we go, what? God wants me to live afraid? What this means is God wants us to live in proper respect of who he is. That he is ultimately in control. And we are not. Whereas we think we are, what, what things like 9-11 and events like that, when they happen, what, what happens and what drives people to God and to churches is it, it puts perspective back upon our lives of who's really in control. And it's not us. I mean, there's, there's, a, 
There's something bigger that's happening there. He's saying, not that you live in fear in a way that you fear God in, in the sense of, of being afraid he's going to stamp, uh, stamp you out or whatever, but no, it's a respect of who God is, that God and his ways are bigger than us. So in light of that truth and in our remembrance of the significance of this day, the 10-year anniversary of 9-11, the question I just felt compelled to ask myself, to ask you today is, what would happen to the way that we live our lives if we really took the gift of life seriously? If we really thought about it that way, if we really took to heart how brief and how fragile our lives really are, not in a morbid sense where you're walking around all, you know, long-faced and sad. and all. That's not what I'm talking about today. But, but, but it, just this sense of re- realization, as Solomon said, that every day really is a gift. And that we shouldn't be wasting this gift that God has given us. You treat it, when something's a gift, and it's something that has been given to you, we treat gifts as something that are special. We, we guard those. We, we treat those things as they are special and How would your priorities change if you lived with that mindset of this being a gift that God has given you, this time that he's given you, it is a gift that we're stewards over this time. Now, um, you probably don't realize this, I'm sure you don't, but in case you've been wondering, according to one morbid website I came across this past week called The Death Clock, um, after punching in all of my pertinent information for their formula that they have, I'm scheduled to die on Tuesday, August the 28th, the year 2040. Now, when you put that information in and that clock comes up, that will really bless your heart. I'm just telling you right now. I kind of got tired of looking at mine, and so I took it out, and I put Pastor Randy's information in there, and his was counting down, okay? And, uh, but, but seriously, here's, here's what you do on this website. I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying I, I did this, okay? Well, you put in your info, your parents' info, their health stuff, you know, your height, your weight, your age, all these different, their formula, okay? And then you, you hit submit, and it comes up with your appointed date of death, okay? And it starts, the, the, and it's, it's a clock. And it's, it's not like going up towards that it's, it's going down, and, and seconds are, are coming off of that. It was horrible for Pastor Randy for me to see that, okay? And, and it's just, this is what's happening. I'm seeing this going, but seriously, I was looking at mine, and we all know that that's not the, the legitimate time. It's just kind of for entertainment purposes for sickos, okay? And, uh, but as, as you're looking at this, the thing that struck me the most is the, that there is a clock that you really do have. And there really are seconds that are, and I couldn't put those seconds back up or, or get those seconds back. And, 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 and this was just, uh, you know, I, you put in all of this information. Do you smoke? Do you, is your mom alive? Is your dad alive? You know, have you ever gone skydiving or Rocky Mountain climbing? Or have you ever rode 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu? You put in all of this stuff, Okay. And this is what they give you, and your clock is ticking off. Some of you are going, what is he talking about? It's a song, okay? It's another good song. We all know that that I could live longer. Um, Hope that I do. Um, Sobering reality is this, is that it could be shorter for me too, and you. 
could be a shorter amount of time. I, I, it could be 30 years from now, or it could be after I pull out of the parking lot and drive with some of the crazy people in Saginaw, okay? And because uh, you guys are, are, are with me in that. And it, 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 we don't know. It could be that I end up having a, a heart attack while I'm preaching, you know? It's happened to preachers before, you know? And, and especially ones that do karate kid stuff. And, and it happens. And the point is this, is that life is just unpredictable. We're not in, we're not in control of that. We can take all the measures of being healthy, and we should, and all of these different things, but, but ultimately, this is not our call. Life is brief. Solomon isn't the only one to point out this truth about life and death just very quickly. His own father, David, says this in Psalms 39. He says, Lord, remind me. Notice he says, remind me. Why does he have to say that? Because we just take it for granted. We forget we forget how brief our time on, he says, remind me, God, how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my, my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. It's just, again, sobering thoughts. Your life is brief. Uh, you can flip to the New Testament in the book of James, chapter 4. This isn't just Old Testament thinking here. This, these are guys who just have understood this reality. And now James says this. He says, look here, you in, in chapter 4, verse 13, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there. We'll make a profit. We're going to do all of this. And this is what he says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? goes right along with what that lady said it was like on September 10th. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if, it's the, if the Lord wants us to or if it's the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or that. In other words, in light of what does God want you to do with your life? What is he leading you to do? He says this in verse 17. He says, well, in verse 16, he says that boasting like this, he says that this, is, uh, that this kind of boasting is evil. It's presumptuous. Uh, we're acting as if we're in control. We're not. Verse 17 says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's sin, he says. To know the things you should be doing or, or, and the way in which you should be living and not do this, he says, that's as much a sin as, as any other kind of sin. So here's our response. Here's your take home today. This is what I want to give you this, this morning to take away from here. And we don't want to, you to go away feeling hopeless or that this is morbid or whatever. Here's what you're going to do in response to what you're remembering. Here's what I, my prayer is for you and for me. Here's what we want to write down. It, it, number one is we want to turn our one days into now. Whatever it is that we've been saying, one day we'll get around to doing this. We want to we turn that into a now. One of the things that God spoke to me when I was, when I was uh, just had come apart, you know, from, from folks for a while, and I was just being alone with God. I was reflecting upon my life, where I'm heading in my life, what I'm doing, and when I was on this time of sabbatical. I don't know if you're anything like this, but one of the things that God showed me about myself is I've spent so much of my life wishing my life away. 
In other words, what I mean is I, I will say things like, well, one day when, when this happens or when I get to this level or I achieve this or when I'm this, one day when that happens, that's when I'll be successful or that's when I'll, I'll feel a sense of accomplishment or that's when I will, one day when I get to this, and I don't know how that plays out for you. Maybe you're a single person and you're thinking, well, one day when I get married, then I'll be happy. And listen to the married people, okay? They can help you here. Or, or maybe it's the person who says, one day when we get the right home, then we'll host you know, a group of people and we'll open our home up to others. Or, or one day I'll forgive this person and I'll let go of my grudge. Or, or one day when we finally get out of debt, that's when we'll start being generous with other people and being generous in just in general. One day when my career is established and I've, I've done everything I could possibly do, you know, one day that's when I'll start playing catch with my kids or, 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 or you know, coloring with them or doing all of these things. Here's the thing. Or one day when my kids are grown, that's where we'll invest in our marriage again. The problem with this kind of thinking is that, is that the then rarely comes. Or, or oftentimes it comes too late. And as I said, just like me, you're dropping your kids off in high school and going, wow, where did that decade go? You know what I'm saying? I really want you to think about that today. I want you to think about, about the one day. Some, some of us are so goal-oriented and so task-oriented, and what we end up doing, we're so driven to a point that is a destination that we're not living life in this journey that we're on right now and enjoying it and enjoying God, and enjoying people, and enjoying the things that God has placed around us because we've got a point we're trying to get to, and we'll run over and push anything and everybody out of the way because we get to the point. Solomon said, I got to the point. I looked back, and I said, it's meaningless. It didn't do anything for me. What God showed me this summer and I told you I'd be sharing things that the Lord has taught me and just, I needed to work on myself. I needed to work on myself and, and what God showed me over the summer, the flaw, one of my many flaws, but one flaw that I really have struggled with is, is living what I call distracted. You kind of have your gaze on one thing, but you're also, it's almost like you're ADD in this sense, and you can never give anything its full attention. You, you're thinking about something else, or you're, someone's talking to you, you're hearing them, but you're not listening to them. And, and one of the things that God said to me this summer is, wherever you are, wherever you are, make sure you're all there. Make sure you're all there. If you have kids, you're not off in your mind working on something, solving some problem at work. You are, you're there with them. They deserve all of you. Wherever you are, you're all there. If you're with your spouse, you're not off flipping through the TV, listening a little bit. Get a DVR. It could save your marriage. It's a beautiful thing. Pause that. Record it. Listen to your spouse. When you're at work and people are talking to you, listen to people. When you're at church or when you're in life group and people are sharing what's happening, be all there with them. Listen to what's happening in people's lives. People deserve that. Maybe that would be something that God would speak to you about today the way that he spoke to me. That's a takeaway for you. Here's, here's, a, here's a final thought for you today. Is in embracing this moment and in, in turning our one days into now, here's what we want to do. This is kind of the, the action point here is we want to turn our intentions into actual actions. 
We don't want to just say, well, I, I'm, I'm going to get around to this. And it's, it's very similar to the first one in this sense, but, but these actions are here. James 4, he says, anyone who knows the good that he ought to do, but he doesn't do this, what does James say? He says that's sin. It's not maybe the sin of like adultery or the sin of, of lying or cheating or stealing or, or gossiping or whatever where you're actually committing something. It's what's called a sin of omission. It's what, what you know you should do, but you withhold that or you procrastinate and you, you're not obedient to God in that sense. What are your good intentions that God wants you to do, but you've not gotten around to do this? Maybe it's to reach out to someone that needs to hear from you. Maybe it's to, to instigate a conversation with someone where reconciliation and forgiveness needs to happen. Maybe God wants you to connect uh, intimately with your spouse there and you have not and you've been putting this off for whatever reason. Good intentions, what good intentions do you have that, that you've been just delaying and presuming upon tomorrow that you're going to get around to this? Maybe God is wanting you to go on a mission trip instead of saying, well, I'll do this later. Maybe God's been leading you for some time or, or maybe I'll give to this other person that I see. What is it? God will show you something. I can't tell you what it is. You just have to say, God, I'm open to you today. And I commit to acting upon what it is you're leading me to do can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've been in a hospital with someone who is, is nearing death or, or they're, they're on their deathbed and I've, I'm there with the family or there with them and, and there have been times where I've been with some who have actually even been pretty much alone and, and they've communicated how they wished and with regrets had said some things that they never said. There have been times also where I've been there where I've been with someone who passes away and someone gets there later and they said, I wished I would have said this or I wished I, I regret that I did not communicate this. And so there's all of these regrets and there are good intentions that, that there was no follow through. It's kind of a, just a real personal story, real personal to me. This past year I've watched my brother-in-law Dan, that is uh, my, my wife's sister, uh, Linda. Uh, Linda's very active in our church, but Dan, is, is, he serves at another church. My brother-in-law, it was about a year ago, he, uh, he uh, had, a, had a tumor that really started developing on his neck. Come to find out, it's the most aggressive form of melanoma. It's a, an aggressive form of cancer. And I've watched my family member, and he's not only just a family member, he's, he's really, he's like my best friend. And I've watched him go through this, and I've watched he and Linda struggle through this and all the things that they've gone through. And, and they uh, did a surgery, and the surgery was not successful, and it came back even more aggressive. And then they, he did treatment, and, and the treatment made him sick, and, and, but it was not successful. And they did a surgery earlier this year, and we're praying that it's successful. Right now, things are, he's doing well, and he's in a special study that it looks like things are progressing. Over the course of the summer, I was really able to spend some quality time with Dan where we're not just passing, you know, jockeying kids where they're supposed to be going, you know, but we're actually, we sit, sat down and we talked and, and Dan and I spent time together while we, we even took a vacation together and just, just, just watching him and watching him go through what, what he has gone through and the, the relationship that he has with God and watching him love his family and love his wife and love his kids and doing all of these things. I want to tell you that he's a guy that I realize he gets it. He realizes how short and brief life is and how fragile it is. And by the way, he's doing very well right now. You continue to pray for him. 
But what it caused me to do is to think about my life. It caused me to think about, I don't want to live with good intentions. I don't want to waste this day that I've been given today to love my wife and to love my kids, to love the people who are around me. I don't want to be caught up thinking about things that are so pointless and, and meaningless and really have no effect on the grand scheme of eternity. I want to invest my life in things that really matter. Solomon is saying, I've chased after everything else and it's left me empty. I would encourage you not to wait for tragedy or for sickness or for something like that that comes along uh, to, to spur you. Why don't we preempt that? Why don't we act upon the things that God's leading us to do today? Treat each day as a special gift that it is. You know what that is? That's wisdom. Wisdom is learning from others' mistakes, and that's what Solomon is trying to convey. Life is brief. It's fragile. It's short. It's a gift. What are you doing with it? I want to ask you if you'll pray with me. Have you ever begun a relationship with Jesus? Have you started that by faith in Christ, not just religion, but a relationship with him? Because likely there will be something that's going to come along that's going to knock you off your feet. And you're going to need him. And he wants to be in your life. He pursues you and he loves you. Solomon says, we'll get to it in a few weeks, but he says, remember, remember the Lord, your creator, in the days of your youth. Don't presume that one day you'll start a relationship with God. Remember what the pilot said? He says, he's the one who was qualified to die in your place. Let me just pray for us now. Father, I, I just want to ask that you would remind us of how brief our time on earth will be. We come here today, Lord, to worship. We come here to remember and reflect upon what happened to our country. Lord, may we respond and honor those who lost their lives. May we respond with action. As you're reflecting upon what God is saying to you today, He will, if you'll listen, will speak begin to speak to you, maybe now, maybe later today, he'll begin to speak to you about, about some of the things that maybe are good intentions in your life that you need to follow through with. Maybe you've just kind of been letting life pass you by. Maybe you've been living with a one-day mentality. One day, when I get to this, then, then I'll do this. Well, it may happen that way, but for many it does not. You just say, Pastor Bart, I just want to ask you to pray with me that I would have God's power today to turn the one day into now and to live with the intentions, not just good intentions, but to follow through. But I just need prayer because some of them are relationships that I need to follow up on. There are certain things. I just need prayer this morning. If you just say, just pray with me today. Would you just lift your hands? I'll, I'll be glad to pray with you this morning a number of hands in the first service. I'm glad to pray with you today. Why don't we make that a prayer to God today? Father, uh, thank you for all your hands. Father, we, uh, again, just want to be reminded of, of our time on earth. Help us to understand that every moment counts. Forgive us for wishing our lives away and thinking when something happens, then we'll do what you're leading us to do. May we be obedient to you today. Help us to treasure and cherish this gift of life that you've given us, to live it 
Lord, as Solomon said, joyfully. To live it joyfully with you. To live it joyfully with those you've blessed us with and have placed around us. Convict us, Lord, if, if, if we've been wasting that time. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Now, with our heads bowed, if you've never trusted Christ, you can trust him today. Don't wait on a relationship with God. You can trust him at this very moment. And the scripture says, when you place your faith in Jesus, he will save you. And he'll give you a life that's filled with meaning. You might pray something like this. You might say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Today, Lord, I call upon you to be my savior. I call upon you in faith. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. For the gift of grace my life. In Jesus' name.